Oh, thank you. <laughs> we did it. Uh, okay. Well, um, <laughs> yeah, I is... have, I have two options. I, I acknowledge that it's being recorded or I can leave the meeting. Yeah. <laughs> Sweating for one of these days when you just leave the meeting. It's like, nope, screw this. <laughs> I can't be recorded. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do not consent to you recording me. Uh, you do realize that I asked if you wanted to come on a podcast that we have to record, right? Ah! <laughs> By the way, I'm That's doing my the- I'm doing my best. Uh, uh, I dressed my best as a like 2000s pop punk lead singer. Uh, I got the the flannel unbuttoned with a graphic tee underneath, and oh, I, I guess my hat should probably be backwards, but it's not. So. Um, <laughs> But that's what I, that's, that's the look I'm going for today. So, <laughs> and, and you and, and you want to see a circle pit right in front of you during yeah. this the breakdown yeah. of this. Everybody, song. come up to the front. Let's get this going. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I hate my hometown. Um, which I guess I don't hate my hometown. You don't live like. Do you live where you grew up? No, no. Yeah, uh, I I was born in New Orleans. Lived oh. there until I was eight. Okay. Then uh, moved to Houston. And lived there until I went off to college. And I've lived in the Dallas-Fort Worth area since 1998, essentially. Okay, okay so which is better, Dallas or Houston? It's a no contest, no brainer. Living in Dallas, for me, is better than living in Houston. And what what is it about Dallas that sets it apart for you? This is well, completely unrelated to what we're going to talk about, but it's curious. Um, honestly, like there's there's a lot more... This of the stuff that I'm into is very close to get to. Whereas in Houston, you got to drive at least 45 minutes to get oh, okay. to one of the places that you want to go to. Right. Um, so uh, there are a lot of great record stores here in North Texas. Lots of great restaurants. We have the Alamo draft house, uh, several different locations of that um, where we live. We, ha- we are, we have the very nice luxury of like, within 20 minutes of where we live, we can go to two different Alamo draft house. So, mm. uh, so yeah, I mean, we're, we're kind of spoiled here. Uh, let's man. There's, there's a lot to say about Houston. Uh, Houston is where I spent most of my childhood, but uh, I can only handle being there for a few days before I'm like, I got to get back to the life <laughs> that I have yeah. in Dallas. Um don't want to totally throw it under the bus, but uh, yeah, uh, Dallas has always been more of like my second home because I've always had relatives up here. Sure. And even when my family lived in New Orleans, we would drive 10 hours to come to the Dallas area for Thanksgiving and Christmas. Hmm. Um, and so then we moved to Houston. So it was, uh, you know, only a four hour drive. But uh, yeah, I always was attracted to living in North Texas. And then I went to school in Fort Worth. And when I was graduating in uh, December of 2001, geez, that's one month shy of 20 years. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was taught, I would hear from friends of mine who are all like, I want to move to Chicago. I want to move to Los Angeles or New York. And I was like, I just want to go down I 30 about 35 minutes and move to Dallas. Right. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny because, so sorry, did you say you were born in New Orleans? Yeah. Okay. So, um, because not that I was just wondering if you, if you ever spent any time in like a small town sort of setting, but because I grew, I grew up in a small town 
going back to the I hate my hometown thing. I don't really. It's funny. I don't live there now. I haven't lived there for, you know, oh, since uh, 2007. So whatever that is. Well, I would say this. Fort Worth is a big town, but with a very small town mindset. Sure. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's why I don't live there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fair. Um, I suppose you run into a lot of that in Texas maybe yeah there's this uh dallas fort worth rivalry that really yeah if you've grown up here you have that rivalry there's even a commercial for this car dealership that talks about how you know we're on the affordable side of the metroplex <laughs> yeah. and and it's like i mean i i actually uh recently interviewed a hip-hop artist who grew up in all sorts of places uh like in trinidad and uh, Tobago um, and uh, Cairo and but he loves living in Fort Worth but plays a lot of shows in Dallas and he's like man it's just all one big family that's what makes this Metroplex unique and I and I thought to myself I wish more people had that kind of attitude yeah. around here yeah yeah no um, we are where, where I live in Edmonton they don't I don't know I mean maybe because I'm in the city there might be that sort of thing where it's like because you have the outlying communities that are really close you know just on the other side of the freeway type thing that maybe they have that like oh i don't want to live in the city sort of thing you know mm -hmm. uh but uh we definitely have that you know kind of the rivalry as it were between edmonton and calgary which is calgary's about two and a half hours away or so so yeah. it's a it's a bit of a hike um but uh it's the, i i can remember growing i grew up just outside calgary i remember growing up and it was always like oh edmonton's such a horrible place and then I moved to Edmonton as an adult and went, I actually really like it. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. What was funny is that I, I didn't think I would ever move to Dallas proper. Yeah. Cause I was stuck in traffic one day listening to pavements, uh, crooked rain, crooked rain, nice. bad, bad idea folks. <laughs> Cause uh, I, I love pavement, but it's not good music to listen to when you're stuck in a traffic jam <laughs> and you're trying to understand why you're in a traffic jam. Right. But uh, I remember telling uh, a friend of mine who then lived in Fort Worth and still lives in Fort Worth with his family. And I said, Tom, I would never move to Dallas. And then, I ended up moving to Dallas. Yeah. Well, I moved, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I moved to Carrollton, but it was still technically Dallas. And then I moved just a little east of downtown. And then I moved to a part uh, that is more Richardson than Dallas. Now I live in Garland, which is still Dallas County. So okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. I've, I've been to both the airports in both Houston and Dallas. And I will say this, my memories of those two airports Houston, my memory is uh, eating at the Wendy's there. We, we flew through Houston on the way to Florida and on the way back. And I believe we ate at the Wendy's in the airport both times. Uh, and yeah. second, my, my memory of the, uh, the airport in Dallas was, uh, I think I told the story last time about being in Dallas for a day before going to India. That is correct. Yes. And um, so the day we were flying from Dallas to India, we got to the airport. We had some time to kill. And so me, me and this buddy of mine, we just decided we're like, well, what are we going to do? I don't know. So we just hopped on like the little like train thing that just does a loop around the airport and just yep. rode that for like, I don't know how long, we're like, Oh, there's the football stadium again. And you kind of go around again. Oh, there it is mm -hmm. again. So mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. it was, it was, you know, it was a great time. It was super entertaining. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. You, you gotta, you gotta entertain yourself some way. Right. Hey, uh, welcome to growing up punk. We should get into this part. The podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. My friend today is Eric. He is back. 
for another go around Eric Grubbs. That is, um, I realized after doing our Halloween episode that I, I never introduced the podcast. And I think that's like the only time that has happened in the history of this podcast. <laughs> really? So I don't know what led to it. I can't remember what we were talking about, but we just, uh, kind of got, got straight into it. So, um, yeah, well, the, this... inf- the, the information is on the thumbnails and it's you know, true. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like you got to do an intro, you know? Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's the, it's the rule. It's the only rule. No. Uh, <laughs> so on the show today, we, um, we're going to kind of pick up where not pick up where we left off, but kind of revisit an episode idea that we had done a little while ago when we talked about who oh, writes a spring hot water music and fiddlehead. We tried to kind of like pull a thread as we called it, or, you know, kind of like connect the dots as it were, um, mm-hmm. connecting some bands. And so today we're going to, this episode, we're going to do that again. We're going to talk about Super Chunk uh, and then Get Up Kids. And then at the end of the episode, we're going to talk about Tiger's Jaw. So the idea being that we kind of start old and we work our way forward, kind of bands that share, you know, whether it's um, I know we, we recorded an episode that's lost to the gremlins of technology <laughs> uh, where we were talking specifically about uh, like, I mean, I guess it was the quick, bands. It was, yeah, it was- yeah. quicksand snap case and then turnstile and so the connection that was made in on, on that episode that we will go back and do it again sometime because i yeah, do want to we'll do two we'll do take two yeah exactly um but the the idea was that you know um quicksand we started with and then snap case you had read an article i think or something that showed someone had been inspired by quicksand in snap right. and then right with snap case to um to uh why am i forgetting turnstile turnstile it was a vocal comparison right so yes um I, I, there might have been more to it but that's that's kind of what jumps in so we're, we're kind of doing something similar this time uh where it's not necessarily like the very first episode i remember when i picked the three songs i picked them because the uh, fiddlehead song had elements that reminded me of two specific songs one from rights of spring and one from hot water music so Right. Uh, we're we're kind of loose and free with our rules as to how this works. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yes, I'm sure. If, I, well, I know Fiddlehead was inspired by those bands, uh, but you know, we're not always going to draw this like super straight. Oh, I read a story or an article once that said so and so was inspired by. Although, having said that, that is a very clear thing that happens on this episode <laughs> that we'll get yes. to. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of what we're going to do, and. Um, we're going to do it a little bit different. I've been wanting to try something for a little bit now, so this may work and it might be something that we kind of do a little more of going forward, or it may be something that this is the only time it happens and (laughs) because (laughs) it doesn't turn out. But, uh, if you're listening to this, that means it's somewhat at least turned out. Uh, but we're going to listen to the songs, um, live with each other. Now, uh, I'm sure I, I don't know about you, but I've listened to all three of these songs <laughs> a number of times. So this isn't a first listen. Um, let's put it this way. I've been listening to the super chunk song since college. Yeah. Same thing with the get up kids song and the tiger's jaw song about three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it only came out earlier this year, so you know, you're not that far behind on it. Whereas right. myself, um, I guess because we're going to start with Super Chunk. So um, Super Chunk is a band that's kind of funny to me because they're a name that I have heard and known for I don't know how long. I couldn't tell you the first time I heard their name. 
but I can tell you this, I was always confused by them. And in my mind, I always thought they were a local band for me because when I was getting into like really diving into the local scene that I grew up in, there was a band called super sift is what they were called. Mm, And so just the super part, I don't know. I couldn't tell you what they sounded like. I don't remember anything from just the name. Um, so I don't know if they were a band, you know, that was inspired by super chunk. And that's also where they kind of took half the name from, you know, the whole super, this whole super thing. Uh, and I'm pretty sure super sift. They also was all one word. I don't even know if super sift is a term. Like, I'm not sure where that came from, but in my brain, super chunk was that band or super sift was that band. Uh, so then as I was like getting older and kind of like now looking in and reading things or listening to interviews or what have you, and that name starts popping up. Like, wait a second, this clearly isn't, you know, in this world where these two bands crossed for me just because of the name, this clearly isn't who they are. So you mentioned college. Um, tell me when, when was the, I guess, when did you get into these guys? College, actually. Because oh. um, what had happened was I, at the end of my high school years, I started watching 120 Minutes very faithfully. And one night they had the watery hands video from their indoor living album. And that video is pretty funny to watch because it has David cross and, and Janine Garofalo in it. And they are like these progressive uh, music directors and, and they shoot the band in front of a green screen and they do all these things that they think are great. And uh, it's, it's a very funny video, but the song is super, super catchy. And then when I went off to, uh, to college uh, at the campus radio station, uh, Come Pick Me Up was the album that they had out at the time. And we uh, played a, a few songs from it. And uh, Good Dreams was uh, and A Thousand Pounds. Those were the two ones that we played over and over again. And I, I just fell in love with them. And then I and then I got into most of their back catalog uh, and I was fortunate to see them play at the Ridgely Theater uh, post 9-11. Now, if you have seen this documentary that is now on YouTube, I believe uh, it's called Who Needs Sleep? I think okay. I think that's what it is or uh, 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 but anyway, it's a documentary about them being on tour and they talk about how it was such a drag and, you know, nobody was going to the shows. I'm using nobody in quotes, <laughs> but, but the thing was, is that there were a lot of people at that show in, in Fort Worth and it was a great show. And, um, and so I, I, I've told John Worcester and Mac McCon, I was all like, you know, that was the show that really got me into super chunk and, I've pretty much been a diehard ever since. And uh, uh, only a couple of their records haven't really, you know, made a huge impact on me, but the song that we're going to play hyper enough, the first song from here's where the strings come in. That's one of my favorite records of theirs from start to finish. Um, It's, it's a much more, it's a very energetic record. They have some stuff. They have other records where things are a little bit mellower, but uh Mac McCon has always had a great uh, ear for uh, writing really catchy songs. I mean, I think all the members come from like growing up on like hardcore punk and then wanting to infuse much more melody, play things a little bit slower, but they still know how to, you know, let it rip. So, 
Yeah, I was I was curious about that because I don't like and maybe this is just me not digging into them too deep and you know just really this I was going to say this is kind of really my first experience with the band. I'm not 100% sure. I'm sure at some point maybe I had, you know, kind of dipped the toe in the water as it were with these guys, but this getting ready for this episode was kind of the first time I really dove in and it was specifically like this album because obviously this song comes off of it. Um, but uh, yeah, let's let's listen to the song and then we can kind of talk a little bit more. As you mentioned, it's off the opening track. Here's where the strings
that uh that lead riff it will get mm-hmm. stuck in your head for days <laughs> yes it will <laughs> like oh as soon as it came back on i was like oh right i really enjoy this song it reminds me of um is it i'm trying to think down in the states is it cartoon network is that mm-hmm. what it was okay yeah. i couldn't remember if that was canada but canada's teletune is like what it's called but anyway it reminds mm-hmm. me of it would be like the opening theme for a show like on the cartoon network like clone high or undergrads or something along those lines like it it very much has that feel um it also i guess would have been a couple years before those shows but yeah that's uh that's a, that's a real good song yeah and if you've never seen the music video for it it is so funny because yeah. it's uh the, the band uh you know like any long running band they they do have drama but they really play up the drama in this video oh, and they yeah. all and they all go to therapy and they're all like tearing the therapist's office apart by the end of it <laughs> I, I mean and it's and it ends with a john worster drum solo yeah so it, it it's a sight to be seen so i'm um, pull it did, pull it up on youtube okay sorry that was for are you saying the video for this song well, I'm just saying, like, if if y'all like this song. Oh, you're telling. OK, you weren't telling me to pull it up necessarily right now. No, I'm a okay. guest on this show. I am not the host. <laughs> you're allowed. I, 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 I gave I, you screen sharing uh, capabilities. Remember? No, I, I that came out <laughs> wrong. I'm sorry. I, I would never tell a host do this. Uh, uh, I was I'm trying just, to trying I'm to see. Sa- oh, go ahead. I'm just saying, folks, it's like if if you're just now really getting into Super Chunk, definitely check out their videos as well. Cause like their songs are great, but mm-hmm. they know and, and they, they t- put a lot of care and time into writing very thoughtful songs. But as far as their videos, they just wanted to have fun. Right. And, yeah. and, and, and they have a lot of really funny videos. The reason I think why I hear um, this as uh, I'm just trying to, because oh, okay, I think this band reminds me of another band that was funny because they were briefly signed to Tooth and Nail Records, released one record on Tooth and Nail. And but I feel like when, when I heard about them, it turns out that they did this song. Anyway, so that's the theme for Clone High, and it kind of reminds me of that Super Chunk song. <laughs> Interesting. I've, I've I've never watched Clone High, but I've heard good oh, things man. about it. You know? Yeah, it's. I haven't watched it in years. Oh, whoa! <laughs> Just dropped my phone. I haven't I haven't watched it in years, but it's a uh, it's a great show. It's a great show. If you're looking for some, I don't know if it's on any streaming services or where you'd even find it, but. Um, uh it's it's fantastic and so that anyways that theme song is by a band called abandoned pools which i was just looking them up before i dropped my phone uh, <laughs> trying to see is like um so 
Tommy Walter is the guy behind Abandoned Pools. And what other associated acts? Um, yeah, I don't know why. I think I just remember being surprised that they did the theme song for for Clone High. Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And they're on Tooth and Nail, which was weird. Anywho. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, but yeah, Super Chunk, this... That, that song, the album that it came off of, everything about it, like, uh, yeah, as soon as I put it on, I could hear, you know, like the influence that they had on, you know, the Get Up Kids. Um, and I've heard Matt Pryor mention them, whether it's on, you know, I think on the Vagrant Record 25 Years on the Street podcast or whatever it's called, um, on a, probably part one of the Get Up Kids yeah. episodes because they did two episodes on the get up kids i'm sure i'm pretty sure at one point he said we were basically just trying to be a super chunk cover band was <laughs> like kind of the idea yeah that is true and that's something that he and robbie pope told me when i interviewed them for post yeah and and they were just kind of like you know we don't think we're emo what we think we just sound like super chunk and then when the get up kids it was circa uh, on a wire they had super chunk open for them yeah and uh yeah and i i'm sure it ruffled some feathers of like super chunk you know shouldn't be opening for the get up kids and i think probably the get up kids said super chunk shouldn't have been opening for us either yeah that's kind of one of those weird things right like where uh cuz i mean i don't know what the peak of super chunk's success was but i'm going to assume that the get up kids eclipsed that at some point oh yeah Uh, and so it's got to be this weird this weird feeling when yeah like the band that you know maybe played the biggest influence on this particular band is now opening for them like it's it is weird i don't i don't necessarily have a problem with it because obviously the the whole reason you know you have bands in different uh, spots on the show is because well who's who's the bigger draw right like who's bringing right. in those ticket sales and so right you know clearly obviously that was especially at that time the get up kids but it's always interesting when i was trying to think i there was an example and i feel like it was with jimmy eat world but i can't remember how like what order this went in but basically it went from like there was a tour where jimmy eat world was the opening act for this band and then a couple years later after bleed american happens this band is opening for Jimmy world. I, ah, I wish I could remember who it was, but I feel like this story happened at some point. And I was like, that's gotta be extra weird, right? Like where you go from being the opening band to like mm-hmm. literally flip flopping and not like, you know how some tours bands will just flip flop from one show to the next, but like actually flip flopping a few years later where it's like, Oh, now you guys are the, are the headliners. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's gotta just be this kind of strange feeling, but yeah, I mean, just good to go to shows <laughs> well well then a few years later the get up kids as they were falling apart they were opening for dashboard confession yeah yeah and, maybe and uh, maybe that was the story like dashboard going out with them probably mm-hmm. early on and then that flip-flopping a few years later uh yeah. any anyway it's yeah it's got to be a, an interesting thing i mean i uh, i'll just name drop here but uh or earlier in the year, I got to interview Zach Blair from uh, Hagfish and Rise Against. Mm. And I said, I understand that Rise Against has a much bigger draw, but for you, is it weird to have the Descendants opening for you? And it's like, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, like that's that's great. But um, I don't know. What, what do you do? Like, I, I suppose it's also a, a way 
obviously they probably look at it and go, well, Hey, not everyone who's into rise against is necessarily. Cause I mean, rise against is a great example of a band that for sure can have kind of like standalone fans, right? Like mm-hmm. people who heard them on the radio who love rise against, but don't necessarily, you know, dive into the world of punk and hardcore and discover all these other bands and eventually obviously working their way back to a band like descendants. So, I mean, it's a great opportunity for a band like rise against to take someone like that and say, Hey, we're not here. If these guys weren't here type. Right. Thing. So that's totally, that's kind of neat. Um, but yeah, back to, back to super chunk and the get up kids. That is, I want to say the sole reason I probably outside of this podcast and getting ready for this episode, that's probably the sole reason I checked out super chunk at any point in time was just hearing whether it was hearing it or reading it. But Matt, Matt uh, from the get up kids talking about how much he was influenced by super chunk. So you briefly mentioned on a wire. Um, and I, I just want to ask this. Were you, are you a fan of that record at first? No. Okay. Um, I just thought, Oh, they're making a really mellow record. Um, and I was, I, I got into like other stuff at the time, but while I was writing post, I actually spent a lot of time listening to auto wire. Mm-hmm. I specifically remember driving late one night. I don't know where I was going, but I was listening to auto wire and it just really, really connected with me. Yeah. And, um, and it's, it, it is a great record uh, with the exception of a couple of songs on it. But uh, it's just mixed in a very weird way. Mm. And um, I'm not going to name who uh, just like bounced this idea off me, but he asked me, it's like, would you ever want a remixed version of On a Wire? And I'm like, yeah. And I (laughs) talked with another member of the Get Up Kids and he's like, we never talked about remixing it. So, (laughs) uh, so I I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here, but it's like, I think it would be very interesting if there was a remixed version of this album, because the band had issues with Scott lit yeah. um, o- overall, because Scott lit was actually not familiar with the get up kids. And they wanted somebody uh, that was not familiar with them to give like a fresh kind of take on their yeah. sound. And uh, I just, I just remember um, hearing overdue the first yeah. time in my apartment in Carrollton. And I just thought, Okay, so they made a mellow record. It's not really grabbing me, but I didn't hate it. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was the band like trying to be something more than just an emo band. Yeah. And, and well, I actually, I normally would not be this blunt to any member of the band, but when I interviewed Ryan Pope for the book, I told him, it sounded like y'all spent a lot of time on making that record sound really good, but y'all forgot the spark of what made y'all special. And right. he's like, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. It's interesting that you bring up overdue because it's probably if someone were to, you know, hold me down and say, what is your favorite get up kids song? It's probably actually overdue from the very first time I heard it. I was just like, Oh man like the the melody in it and then when the simple like obviously it's all acoustic except for the lead guitar line that kind of comes in that's even then still just like a clean guitar right like it's yeah they don't really go anywhere with the song and the video i thought was so cool Mm -hmm. um i don't remember i'm trying to think i i must have because what year did on a wire come out 2002 2003 
Yeah. Um, let's see. On a wire. Do, 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 2002. So I want to say then there's a good chance then that like, cause I can't remember if I bought something to write home about before or after that. I'm going to say I did have it before then. And then mm-hmm. when that one came out, there was for the longest time, I, I would say that um, on a wire was my favorite get up kids record that since changed because I don't think like something to write home about is fantastic. And I don't, I can't think of a song on it that I'd skip. Uh, Whereas like on a wire, you kind of mentioned a song here or there, maybe that's not as good where I'm like, ah, okay. Uh, And I I think even now problems has probably surpassed on a wire on the list for me. Me me too. Because it's it, but it's such like such a well-crafted mix between something to write home about and on a wire right like mm-hmm. it's got mm-hmm. some of those elements that you heard because i didn't really follow the get up kids for what guilt show and they have another one yeah they have another one after that right yeah there are rules which is actually yeah. a very underrated record i think yeah so i wasn't following them for those couple records and then i don't know what brought me back around as to why i was like release day ready for problems but <laughs> um but i was and it came out and i was like oh i think it was actually the year it came out which was 2019. I think it was my album of the year that year. Uh, It was definitely right up there. But anyway, uh, we're not talking about problems. We are talking about uh, the song off something to write home about. So um, why not follow up the opener off the Super Chunk?
I won't lie. This song just makes me want to stop what we're doing and listen to the rest of the album. <laughs> yeah, because you want to hear action in action, like oh man, right you, away. You just want to keep it going. Um, so the funny thing, two things. First, my introduction to the Get Up Kids was I don't know where I downloaded this from, uh, but it was like an MP3. And it was an interview with them. I don't know who the interview was with or what. And the whole reason I downloaded it, I'd heard the name, the Get Up Kids, had never listened to them. But this MP3, they were talking. It was a clip of them talking about being on tour or having toured with MXPX. And in the clip, Matt was describing how the guys in MXPX were just their roadies uh, (laughs) and just like hauling gear in and out for them. And I remember hearing it. And at that time, Like there was no doubt, no question in my mind at that time, MXPX was like the band for me, right? Like they were, and and I've said before on the show, they were the band that got me into this music in the first place. Like they opened the door and from there it was, you know, the floodgates were open. And so at that time, when I heard that clip, I was, I was so just like pissed. I was like, what? why would they say that? Like, that's just so stupid. These guys are just a bunch of wieners, you know, just like going (laughs) going through it all. Um, So that, that story is always kind of stuck with me, but having said that, whenever I listen to this record and I, you know, look at the artwork and just like take it all in, it's one of those records where I wish I was there for it in the sense that Obviously, I didn't get into the Get Up Kids until after this record came out, like a lot of people would have, right? Like this record blew them up. So I wish that I was there for Four Minute Mile and, you know, the journey that led to this album releasing. And even with that, like, had I been into this band before this album came out, being up here in Canada, sometimes you kind of like miss out on a lot of that because you don't get, you know, obviously some of these bands in the States, you could see them every couple months, right? Like as they kind of just like, they're just touring, doing the circuit. They're, they're through again, through again. Um, Whereas like up here, it's, you know, some of these bands, it's like, Oh, you might get to see them once every couple of years. Uh, I've, I've never seen the get up kids. I don't remember seeing you know, hearing about any shows up here. I'm sure they've played up here, Mm -hmm. uh, but like none at a time when I was, going to shows and uh paying attention or or had money to do so um so yeah that that's like one of the things with this band is like just knowing what their connection is to the scene and you know kind of how that is uh you know like a blip on the timeline of it all like the release of this album Mm -hmm. is like a landmark as it were yeah um so it's kind of it's that's always like that that piece that's been missing that i've kind of longed for with this band a little bit well, I'll share some stories uh, for you to, to kind of help fill in some gaps in your mind about, you know, what was it like to see them? Uh, I had heard about them in alternative press, and I just thought like a name like the Get Up Kids sounded like like a band that I should I should just be listening to. <laughs> and um, I found a used copy of Four Minute Mile while I was in Austin uh, in college, and uh, I listened to four minute mile driving from Austin back to Dallas. So the, the record's less than 30 minutes long, I think. Yeah. So I think I listened to that record five times. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I mean, it, it's like uh, Michelle with one L and uh, don't hate me. I mean, those songs really, really connected with me. Um, but, but the thing was, is that um, 
I remember distinctly talking to some friends of mine who were really into pop punk. Uh, I had heard about emo and I asked them, you know, what's emo? And they were both like, oh, it's so terrible. It's <laughs> just it's just jazzy music. Kids cry at the shows and it's really anticlimactic music. And and I was all like, well, I've heard Jimmy World be referred to as an emo band. Like, oh, yeah, they're emo. Ugh. And well, so but the thing was, is that I got into Jimmy World shortly thereafter and I loved it. Well, then a year later, uh, this was after the Red Letter Day EP came out for the Get Up Kids. Mm -hmm. And I ran into one of those guys that had previously just didn't connect with emo. Yeah. And and he told me about how much he loved the Get Up Kids. <laughs> and then um, uh, in when I was going to uh, TCU, you know, it's Texas Christian University. You see a a guy your age wearing a bad religion shirt on campus you want to be friends with that guy because yeah, if you're yeah. a bad if you're a bad religion fan you know you want to go talk to this guy yeah and i told him about how like i was really into emo at the time he's like dude i cannot get into that and then a year later he tells me man i love that red letter day ep <laughs> so so where i'm going with it is is that they bridged a lot of people that say we're you know not interested in emo but they yeah. had like the punk and indie kind of stuff in their sound and that brought even more people in to see them them play and i got to see them in the fall of 2000 playing at the original location of the door in dallas and it was probably one of the most packed and hottest shows i have ever been to as far as an indoor show yeah and um Kofax and the anniversary opened. Um, so this was when they were really, really popping. And I have since seen the Get Up Kids like five or six times. Um, uh, they were here a few years ago, but we had just moved into our current house and we just were so busy with moving stuff. But it was on the Problems Tour. So they were playing a lot of great songs from yeah. that record. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I've seen the Get Up Kids many times. I saw Robbie play with Spoon several times. Mm, yeah. um, but uh, when Robbie and Ryan were playing in Kofax uh, at South by Southwest, that's when I met them and I just pitched them the book I was working on. And, yeah. they're, all, and they're all like, sure, yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you. And yeah. that's, that's where, honestly, the, the friendship started. So um, anyway. Yeah, you... Uh make me want to show you a song <laughs> um so this uh, is from in, the tragically hip well so here's the thing okay so yeah so to say fairly unrelated to uh obviously what we talk about on this show um and you're apparently aware enough of uh canada's band to know that gord downey is yes from the tragically hip i'm not sure how familiar you are with their music uh, uh not really, but I know there are people that love, love, oh. love that band. And when he died, it was so tragic, you know? It, it was, um, so I'll say something really quick about the Tragically Hip before I play this song, because you mentioning Spoon reminded me of it. And I thought, oh, we can, we can have a moment here. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, but so the Tragically Hip, they were a band that growing up in Canada, you, you hear them everywhere, right? And so as a kid who... You know, kind of when, when I really got into music, like I had those years where, yeah, like I listened to Nirvana and, you know, I was I really got into like radio alternative stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. But there was no like 
until you know until discovering punk there was no diving in to find out you know some of those other bands that were you know just kind of like underneath the surface with alternative music right like it was whatever was on the radio that's what i love and so tragically hip was one of those bands where they kind of bridged the gap of like the classic rock into that alternative you know the 90s alternative boom Uh, i've heard people refer to them as like canada's rem but i would i'd say they're better than rem there might be people who get offended by that but um but as growing up i was never into their music especially when i got into punk i was like there was one album of theirs that i liked and then that was it but when he was you know when they announced that you know he had been diagnosed with with brain cancer and it was terminal and the number of people that i saw posting about gord downey and how much you know his his songwriting affected them growing up and in, influenced and impacted them and there was an article by um uh, that was written by damian abraham from the band fucked up mm-hmm. that he he basically shared like the same story where he was like growing up i didn't like these guys you know being a punk a hardcore punk kid or whatever i was like why am i going to bother you know wasting my time with radio bands blah blah blah. you heard them like everywhere uh and so but then he like kind of went into why he eventually fell in love with them and so i i ended up going down this rabbit hole for you know like the next i forget how long it was between his like diagnosis or announcement and when he passed away because they did like he recorded an, an album they may have recorded an album with the tragically hip i don't know if that was done beforehand uh he actually recorded it turns out he recorded three solo albums. <laughs> like I just, the other day I was like on Apple music and I was like, wait, there was a Gord Downey record that released last year that I didn't know about. Like what the hell? Like this one that I'm going to play a song off of came out. It came out after shortly after he passed away. And it was kind of like said, like, you know, this is what he wrote as, you know, like as he was dealing with a lot of this stuff. So there's a lot of sadness on this record as he's kind of reflecting on his life. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so anyway, over the next you know number of months, I super like really got into his songwriting. And uh, but you mentioned Spoon, so I wanted to play this song called Spoon because you'll see it's You're about to see the band Spoon. So I thought it was thought it was very fitting. So
God. <laughs> wow. Right? Like that. I mean, I love the the spoon and deer hunter references mm-hmm. in that song. But um, yeah, man, Gord Downey had to had to share that one with you as soon as you brought up spoon. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like, man, yes, a spoon's a very very awesome band and you know tragically hip is a band i've been hearing about for like almost 30 years but never really got into i mean there was this you know quip that all their songs sounded the same and i think hearing that uh just made me like reluctant to uh, get into them but you know yeah it's it's pretty steep it's pretty steep of you to say like you think they're better than rem and (laughs) rem rem is like one of my all-time favorites yeah so, so and th- and that's where i said like kind of with the you know the the little caveat the little asterisk at the end i'm like well i mean like so rem for me automatic for the people obviously that's like a pretty classic kind of mm-hmm. you know album that's mm-hmm. that is really the extent of my being able to say i love an album by them um because i think what you just said about you know the tragically hip with you know hearing that a lot of their songs sound the same. That's kind of like the same vibe that I always got with, with some REM stuff. But I think that the comparisons really come in with those two bands because one, they both did it their own way and, you know, found that success their own way outside of what everybody else was doing at that time. And two, they're both fronted by eventually bald headed, um, (laughs) like, and like, just like, front men that were man i would say if you want to get into the tragically hip if you wanted to i don't know why how we're going down this road further but if you wanted to get into the tragically hip if you went and looked up i know for a fact on uh, on youtube there's their woodstock 99 set and you will see like gord downey just as a front man was something else unbelievable but I will say, yeah, especially earlier on in their career, a lot of their songs did kind of sound similar. Like I, you know, there's, there's for sure a few that I'd be like, is this, this song or that song, especially their radio singles. But Mm -hmm. I found like, as they kind of like went on, uh, my favorite songs by them are typically more their mellow songs. Like he's, they just got some, anyway, Gordon Downey was just a beautiful storyteller. Um, And I know I know like a, a, a great comparison is like someone who's been influenced by that is John K. Sampson of mm-hmm. the weaker thans, obviously, and now his solo stuff and before all that propaganda. But, um, and he was like the first artist that I listened to that I went, Oh, this reminds me of the tragically hip, but in like a very different, like, it's okay to listen to this, even if you like punk rock sort of way. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, both those guys just write about, and this is something that I love hearing and I've kind of paid more attention to now, but they write about the places they're from and their everyday stories. Like that song spoon that we just listened to is like, he literally wrote it about, you know, when they, him and this girl met, or I don't know if I'm assuming it was a girl, but, um, and, you know, they kind of bonded over listening to spoon in the car. And then one day, and he says it so awkwardly, he even talks about eating hot dogs in that song. Right. Like, and it's just yeah. all like not poetic, but also very poetic at the same time. So I don't know, yeah. but yeah. Um, yeah. So we don't need to go further down the tragically hip rabbit hole. I forget. Oh, you, you mentioned spoon. I was like, how did we even get there? Uh, well, it, 
I like to think of it as something that me and uh, my bandmate Nick did back in college, and that is music appreciation. Yeah. It's all like, hey, if you like this, well, I yeah. want to play this for you. So yeah, thank, but thank you for playing that. Yeah, well, and that that record that that song came off of is called Introduce Yourself, mm-hmm. and it is beautiful. Like if you're looking for something that's a little more, I mean obviously that song was very like piano driven. And I think a lot of that record kind of is, you know, some definitely some like Radiohead vibes at different times and um, it's mellow. It's nice. It's a, it's a nice listen. It is. I don't know what the overall runtime is. Like it's a double LP. I know that much. There's a lot of songs on it, but um, wow. yeah. Anywho, we're um, let's move into the other band. We're going to talk about cause we're moving yeah. forward in time. Yes. Technically by the timeline, that Gord Downey song, fit i put it right in the right spot um, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though it has <laughs> no no place in our in our in our little thread here but uh, we're going to talk about the band tiger's jaw so uh is this a band that you're like you've given spent much time with not really uh they played a show with tiny moving parts yep. a band that i've seen like 11 times and <laughs> Lucky in like man. six in six years yeah. uh, and there was this one show that they played and uh I, I was kind of paying attention to Tiger's Jaw and mm-hmm. uh and I I know that they kind of straddle that boundary between like being an emo band and a indie rock band. And what I found like really fascinating in listening to this song, and I'm going to plug a band uh that is that actually started here in Dallas and they're called mm-hmm. Caterpillars. Um, but the way that Ben Walsh sings for Tiger's Jaw is very similar to how um chris robinson of caterpillars sings and uh caterpillars uh they have uh, a few records out and they have a new one that i think is going to be released sometime next year Mm. and uh they they really really like minus the bear as well yeah yeah. Uh, and uh their drummer has got to be the biggest sunny day real estate fan that i have ever known and there are a lot of really big sunny day real estate fans you're piquing it's, my interest, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, Caterpillars, definitely a, an interesting band to check out. And so Is Caterpillars, so, like plural. Yeah. 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 I'm it's not, it's, it's not the Caterpillars, but just Caterpillars. Yeah. And, um, I just kept thinking of that when, when I was listening to hesitation, you know, all these times yeah. and, um, I, this, I think it's this look I, like them. Sorry. Uh, yes, that's, that's them. them. Okay, cool. Yeah. That came out. That one came out last year, I guess. Okay, but anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I wanted to find them so I could listen to them when we're done here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think they'd be right up your alley. I mean, yeah. uh, they, they opened for the Get Up Kids and they opened for Cursive a few years ago, and oh, nice. they were they were super stoked about that. Here's um, hold on, pause real quick. This is a little side tangent note thing. The very first episode of this podcast back when it was called music to my peers the very first episode was about the ugly organ by cursive (laughs) so it doesn't exist anymore as an episode it was actually i might it maybe it's on a google drive somewhere because uh we had a server that shut down and so all the episodes were removed off of the podcast platforms and i think i had them sent to me i just don't know if i still actually have them or not but right. um, it was a very different show back then but anyway sorry so caterpillars open for get up kids and they open for cursive yeah 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 and um you know i, I just kept thinking that listening to hesitation 
And uh, I, I do like what Tiger Shaw does. I mean, it's, but I'm not like totally sold on them, you know, yeah. to, to be, to be frank, but uh, not a bad band. Let, let's, there, let's... This might be weird, a weird explanation. Okay. So first I also, the first time I saw them was with tiny moving parts uh, and the wonder years was the tour that I saw them on. So I'd heard their name. And when that tour was rolling around, um, this was wonder years were touring sister cities uh so i don't i think tiger's jaw spin maybe was what was their latest album at the time um and so like i kind of like listen to them they have that classic album cover the one with like the big droopy slice of cheese pizza you know it's like very cliche pop punk sort of thing Mm -hmm. uh and i remember listening to them and kind of being like okay okay like why is everyone why are there so many people talking about this band uh you know it's kind of when it first hit me i was like it's kind of like the get up kids, but like they sound really polite and kind of bored. (laughs) Like, you know, like there's, because as you mentioned with like the vocals, initially I was like, the vocals don't do anything for me. There's nothing really going on here. And then I started watching some like acoustic live performances. And I was Mm -hmm. like, damn, this guy writes really nice melodies. I should go back and listen to tiger show. And so, that's kind of like how it went for me for the longest time was like this, like toying with the idea of liking this band. And anytime I go listen to them, I would just kind of go, eh. And then I'd watch a live acoustic video and be like, yeah. And then I'd listen to them like, eh, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, but over time, as that was happening, I was listening obviously to these, the studio albums more and more and kind of growing on me. And um, with this album, I remember I was like, this was the first one. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I think spin, I was like, what did I call it earlier? Release day ready. Uh, So, you know, like I knew it was coming out and I was like, okay, I got to check this album out when it comes out. I think I was around for spin either that or it was like, oh yeah, this just came out. I should check it out. But, but with this one, what's it called? I don't care how you remember me or whatever. Something like that. Um, I won't care. I won't care. Remember me. There it is. Um, With this one, I was like, I'd actually, I think gotten it sent to me early uh like a you know kind of pre-release sort of thing and i remember listening to it in the opening track on this album i was like "Ooh, that's really nice i don't know if you got into listening to the rest of the album at all but it's a really nice acoustic opener right like for most Mm -hmm. of it and then you know and then the band rolls in and um i was like yeah this is what i love about tiger's jaw and then kind of listening to it is okay okay but over the course of this year this album has just like more and more grown on me and i think the biggest reason is because this song that we're about to listen to kind of really drove it home so let's listen to it
so that uh that song i freaking love that song <laughs> i'm just it's looking at yeah it's my jam i'm just looking up something here two things first of all they're from scranton so shout out to the office uh and second i'm trying to it says instruments adam mckillwee uh is he oh he's a past member okay uh this is just funny because earlier today i was just going through uh, i was on um the discogs page for run for cover records and i was just looking at their releases that they put out this year because i was like oh they for sure have a couple releases that are like at the top of my list so i was like what else has come out this year and i came across an artist i'd never heard of before called wicca phase springs eternal <laughs> which okay. is which is a name but um yeah he uh i guess so adam who is wicca phase springs eternal used to be in tiger's jaw uh, what did he ah. trying to figure out what he did in Tiger's job? Um, but yeah, so anyway, that's that's why I was like, whoa, that's that's really random that I was just like looking at that band today and it came up. So he used to play backing vocals, oh, backing and lead vocals and guitars. Interesting. Hmm. I'd be I have to go back and listen to some of those earlier songs. Um, but I was gonna say Ben and Brianna, their voices together is really what kind of drove me home when i was mentioning like listening to those acoustic performances because then you could really hear her uh you know voice coming through and obviously she's she like sings lead on a number of songs too um it's just some absolute great songs and what i love like she's kind of got that her voice reminds me a little bit of you know a lot of you know female fronted pop punk bands and whatever they obviously get that comparison to paramore all the time mm-hmm. and i mean i think a lot of that comes in just a not necessarily that they sound like Haley williams but a similar singing style right like yeah it is what it is i mean you could do that you could you could do that across the board with you know bands that are fronted by guys too like it's whatever um but brianna's voice it's always so interesting to me because she kind of fits in this different world where she reminds me a little more maybe of like like the cranberries where it's that is is like twee pop. Is that the right word? Do you know what I'm saying though? I think so. I'm uh, it's kind of a, a softer yeah. sort of singing style, you know? Yeah. Like not putting that, like the emo oomph into it. She's really just like, you know, singing. Yeah. Softer, I think is a, is a great way to put it. And even, um, I don't know her name, but, uh, one of the vocalists in the world is a beautiful place kind of fits in that world too, where I'm like, Oh, I really like this because, you know, it kind of sets itself apart from, you know, kind of a lot of those contemporaries, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, no tiger's jaw is a band that I think every time I listen to them, they grow on me more and more. And it's, it was, I think it was just a matter of like finding that one song or those couple of songs where I'm like, like the guitar riff and going back to um, hyper hyper enough uh, by uh, I was about to call them Sugar Cult <laughs> by Super Chunk, <laughs> the band whose name I always <laughs> confuse with other names. Um, but like that, that lead guitar riff in Hyper Enough or immediately like hooks you. I find the same thing with with Hesitation by Tiger's Jaws, just like right, like immediately I'm right. like, oh yeah, I'm bopping along. It's it's good stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, man. So listen to more Tiger's Jaw. That's what I'll say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they have a pretty extensive back catalog. So. They do, and that's what's kind of crazy 
a little bit to me is that like i mean i think i counted they have like seven albums or six albums out um which i'm like man they've been around for a while and it's just now that i'm like really getting into them it's not like they're a, a you know a new new band they just consistently release music i guess but um yeah, yeah, yeah i man. mean that that's that's one of the great things about streaming is that you can just hop around and uh or just if if you have the patience and desire you know you can listen to as much of their music as you want to in one day i i am not somebody that can do that but i say that as somebody that cannot stop listening to deaf heaven's infinite granite in my car <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah i listen to it over and over and over and over again it's i yeah. either listen to a couple of different radio stations or pure silence <laughs> and, and uh, uh, or I am listening to Deaf Heaven's Infinite Granite. So I, I understand about, you know, that kind of fandom. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. Um, yeah. I think that'll, that'll wrap it up though. I think we'll uh, yeah say peace out. So wherever you're listening, uh, you can go follow us, uh, the podcast growing. You can follow us at growing punk pod on Twitter and Instagram. My, my personal Twitters and Instagrams are there as well. Uh, Eric, you're all over those sites as well, but with different, yes handles so if you want yes. to share it get the get the followers of going yeah <laughs> yeah on, on twitter i'm eric underscore grubs that's with two b's and uh eric j grubs on instagram and of course on websites like amazon and stuff you're eric grubs with the book post go buy it um as we talk about you know uh get up kids being being influenced by super chunk it's it's worth your read is there an audiobook for it there should be there should be um I, I actually recorded my first audiobook for my friend Tim Minichi last year. Yeah. And um I would like he just asked me if I wanted to narrate this novel that he wrote. And it was a lot of fun to do. And uh I mean, I wouldn't be against doing an audiobook version of post. Maybe around the time that Forever Got Shorter, the sequel comes right. out. Maybe yeah. maybe I'll maybe I'll do like one really, really long <laughs> <laughs> audiobook. Yeah. Uh, there you go. But uh, yeah, I mean, it. yeah, for right now, you can just order physical copies or get, uh, you know, the ebook version. So there it is. Uh, and of course, wherever you're listening, tell your friends about the show, share it, rate it, review it, all that cliche stuff that podcasters like to say. Uh, we have to say it. It's the rule. That's the other rule, right? There's the intro. That's a rule. And then we got to do the follow us and share it and rate and review it. That's the other rule. So don't forget to like, and subscribe like it. Well, that's YouTube, man. That's YouTube. <laughs> and, and don't oh, but, forget. And don't forget to hit the bell in the corner. The yeah. <laughs> Notifications <laughs> on. All right. Double tap that screen or something. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, that's going to do it. So goodbye friends. Yeah. Thanks.